Father, we just thank you for another opportunity to hear from you. We thank you, God, that we have ears to hear you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we have eyes to see the realm of the unseen because Holy Spirit has enlightened our eyes. And so we just, we turn that up tonight, Holy Spirit. We just ask for more. We ask for just more keener hearing, if that's a word. <laughs> just just a, that kind of hearing that, you know, when, when a mother can hear their, their baby or their daughter crying or their son in, the, in a crowd, we can, we can discern your voice more, more keenly, more, more sharply. God, we, we, we also thank you that we have, I mean, vision that's, you know, like Superman. <laughs> Just x-ray, God, x-ray vision. The eyes of our understanding are enlightened so that we can see what is real. We can see through deception, God. We can see through the illusion of separation from you. We can see through the illusion, God, of the things that, that are so loud that, that try to, to vie for our attention, God, and try to distract us from gazing on you, Jesus. And so, God, we just tonight, we, we enter into this realm of supersonic, <laughs> just supersonic discernment, sonar, Lord, just a whole nother level of perception where we are perceiving what you are doing, Father. We are hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the, to the churches, to the church tonight. And God, we're just conveying, even tonight, Lord, as I'm speaking, I'm just conveying what, what is on your heart and I thank you, Father, for it in advance. I just, as, as always, I, I just felt you, Holy Spirit, remind me. I just, I declare, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that this is a, a message for every single hearer. I thank you that it is a personalized message, God. I thank you that it is a message that uh, is relevant to every single person that's listening tonight, Lord. Uh, no matter where they're what they're going through, Father, or, or the circumstances that they're in, Father, or the battles that they're facing, God, or the, the promises that they're standing on, Father. I thank you that this is a word of encouragement, a word of instruction, and a word in due season for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I'm just going to follow the Lord here. I have a, a message on my heart, but just just because the, the, the worship, the, the anointing on worship and the Spirit uh, just rested on that so powerfully tonight. I really just want to follow uh, where you're going, Lord. I want to give you freedom to, to, you know, change the the message even if you want to. But here's what I, I started hearing. The very first thing I started hearing tonight was the pressure to conform is very intense. And immediately when I heard that, the pressure to conform. Uh, I, I immediately thought of Romans 12.2 that says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, pressure, it's kind of interesting in, in, you know, junior high or high school, maybe even in elementary school, they talk about peer pressure. 
you know, I have a junior hire and I don't know that there's that much peer pressure in what she deals with, but maybe there is. But I know in certain circles, there's definitely lots of peer pressure. And what does that mean? It's, it's, it's the, it's a pressure to conform to a standard or to a, I don't know, a normalcy or, or a way of being and a way of acting that is defined honestly by something other than the Lord. And this pressure comes in a lot of different ways. Um, it's usually, I mean, it can be circumstantial, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, it can honestly be spiritual pressure. We have an enemy and there can be atmospheric pressures that come just from an enemy that doesn't want the destiny on your life and the promises of God to manifest. It can come from an internal pressure where we have expectations of ourselves or, or we have, um, you know, just opinions of ourselves and standards that we want to, that we want to achieve or something that, that pressure us. I was reading an article today about a girl that was recovering from anorexia and, you know, there was an enormous pressure, internal pressure for her, uh, to conform to this, you know, illusion of an ideal body. For example, internal, it can be external, it can be, it can be from other people, it can, it can be from uh, the realm of the spirit. Um, but I, I, as I'm kind of pressing into this, I'm seeing a vision of, it's, it's the spirit of might. And it's the might that came on Samson when he, you know, pushed the pillars, right? And, and I, I, the spirit of might, I I feel like is something that I want to just focus here on a moment because the spirit of might is the grace of God. It's the grace of God. It's the power of God. Let me say it again. The spirit of might is the grace of God. It's the power of of God. And it is to resist. And I sense that we are in whatever it looks like, whatever that pressure is coming, however that's coming in your life, that we have to resist. And we aren't resisting in our own strength or in our own power. We are resisting with the power of might. We are resisting in the power of God. Um, you know, there's a scripture that says, submit your will to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And there is this resistance that we need to, this position of resistance that we need to assume. When we are, when we are experiencing pressure, that is not from God. Now, what does this pressure look like? This pressure can look like symptoms in your body. This pressure can look like lack in your bank account. This can look like internal pressure that you are placing on yourself and you are not even recognizing that you are at war with yourself. This pressure can look like just circumstances of any kind. It can look like strife. It can look like 
depression. It can look like it, it can it just there. There is pressure. I just I, I I'm sensing this. It's, it's manifesting in different ways. And the very first thing we have to do is we have to recognize that we are under pressure. Remember that song, under pressure, right? Under pressure. I don't remember the rest of it, but I remember that little part. But the point is, is that we need to recognize that we are under pressure. And how do you recognize that you are under pressure? Well, you are not, you're not yourself. You know what? You're not, you don't have peace. You're in a bad mood. You're cranky. You are, um, you're sad. Okay, so your emotional state is a good kind of indicator on the dash of your car of, of that, that we need to, we need to, we might need to check under the hood. <laughs> there, there's something that isn't working properly. It's not working according to the owner's manual. You know what the owner's manual in? It's the word of God. It's not operating the way that God created it to operate. And this can be, frankly, this can also be a physical feeling. So it doesn't just have to be emotional. Let's say you've got pains in your body. You've got something else going on in your body, but there's something going on. There's something going on. And the first thing you want to do is, (laughs) you know, like... I don't know if you were if you learned this when you were a kid, but I know like the fire safety people came to your school, came to my school when they were a kid, and they taught you like stop, drop, and roll. Like if you catch on fire, <laughs> stop, drop, and roll, right? Why? Because that was the way to put the fire out, right? Well, a lot of us are not recognizing this intense pressure, this attack of the enemy, these fiery darts that have been shot at us, that have caught us on fire. I mean, our engine is on fire, and we're not, we're not, not only are we not really checking the engine, but we're not, we're not, we don't know what to do. And I, I really do have a word from the Lord tonight, and the word is resist. And it is the word that is, again, it's not in your own strength. It is not in your own strength. So let me talk about that for a moment. What does it mean to resist? How do we resist when we are under pressure and things are going haywire in our emotions, in our body, in our circumstances, in our relationships? We're in some type of battle. What, how do we actually do that? Well, I already said it. First of all, you got to realize that you're in a war. Okay. You gotta realize, when I say you're in a war, you gotta realize that there's a battle going on, that something's, there's something there even to resist. And then secondly, you know what you resist with? You resist with the truth. You resist with the word of God. You resist with the gospel. You resist with the truth. You resist the lie, whatever the lie is, whatever the lie that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And what do I mean by that? See, the knowledge of God in that scripture is the knowledge of what Jesus has accomplished. It's the knowledge of, 
your true identity in Christ. It's the knowledge of what heaven has provided for you. And, you know, my people perish for lack of knowledge, so we resist with knowledge. We resist with the truth. We resist with the revelation of what is real. There's a scripture that we'll start out tonight I want to start with that's in 1 Timothy in verse, uh, it's 1 Timothy 6, 12. And let me pull it up here. thought I had it up, but I don't. Uh, it's, a, it's a well-known scripture. Let's get it here. I'm going to read it in, in the New King James Version. It says this. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So here it says, fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to read another scripture that's also in first Timothy. It's in first Timothy one eighteen, which talks about another. It says it's a, it's a good fight. <laughs> this says wage a good warfare. And uh, this is this is what it says. It says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So first Timothy six twelve talks about the good fight of faith, and first Timothy one eighteen talks about waging a good warfare. So there is this good fight. And this good warfare that we are to engage in as we resist the pressure. See, the pressure is a temptation to conform to a version of the truth and a version of yourself and a version of your life that God has not designed for you to live. Let me say it again. The pressure is designed to get you to conform to a version of your life, a version of yourself, a version of truth, a version of reality that God has not provided for you. See, in Christ, you are perfect. In Christ, You are holy. In Christ, you are blameless. In Christ, you are healed. In Christ, you are prosperous. In Christ, you are blessed. But here is one of the biggest deceptions that exists on the planet. Is that there is a you apart from Christ. I'm going to say this again. Probably one of the biggest, and let me say this, I, I hear this deception over and over and over and over again when I listen, honestly, to my own thoughts inside my head, but also when I listen to most believers talk. Most believers relate to God from a place that is outside of God. And most believers relate to themselves as a, from a place that is outside of God. 
And so this pressure that we are to resist in the first place, the very first pressure that we need to exist is that we are someone that we're not. I remember when I, I mean, gosh, this has been years ago. But when I really surrendered my life to the Lord, I really struggled with mental issues. I mean, I had a very, very serious battle on my hands with my mental health. I had been in therapy for, you know, years. I had... I just struggled, and not only just struggled, honestly, with just depression, which I struggled with, and anxiety, which I struggled with, but I also struggled with demonic oppression. Uh, I had suicidal thoughts that I knew even at the time were not my thoughts. I, I wouldn't consider myself suicidal, although I would deal with thoughts. You know, I'd hear a voice that would tell me, you know, just jump off the balcony or something. And I knew enough from growing up in church that that the devil was real. But I didn't know anything about spiritual warfare. I didn't know anything about resisting the devil. I didn't know anything about resisting pressure or I didn't know anything about who I was in Christ. I didn't even know, I didn't know what it meant to be a new creation. I didn't know what it meant to be, uh, You know, I knew what it meant. I think, I mean, I knew the term born again, but I didn't really understand what it meant to be made alive in Christ. And so resistance for me really wasn't, I didn't, I didn't even understand how to do it. But I remember the day that this was really before, I mean, I didn't know anything, but I remember the Holy Spirit, just teaching me one day because the pressure was so intense. The crazy was so crazy. I remember him taking me to the story of Jesus going into the wilderness and how he was tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights and how he just quoted the word of God against the temptation of Satan. Is Satan would come to him and say, you know, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus would turn around and say, well, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. And I remember the Holy Spirit teaching me this day that the way that you fight or the way that you resist is with the truth that dispels the lie. That it wasn't just any word <laughs> that you used, but you used the truth that was coming against whatever the pressure is, whatever the lie is. Now, this may seem for some of us like, you know, this is just review. Like, oh, I know this, I know this. It's not, but it's, here's the deal. It's not what you know. It's what you do. It's what do you do when the pressure comes on? How, how much of your time is spent in your right mind? How much is spent in the in a place where you are in the fruit of the Spirit? Now, I personally know this because I deal with intense pressure still to this day. And I also remember the day when I got a hold of one scripture. It was also in Timothy, and it said, you know what? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. And with that one scripture, I began to fight 
the diagnosis that was on my life. And the attack on my sanity. The attack on my, my emotional stability. The attack, and frankly, on my destiny. The attack, the attack to destroy my life. And I began to just say this scripture. No, I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. And that last part I really began to own. I have a sound mind. And what I began to recognize is that I was dealing with an external force called depression. That I personally was not depressed because God had given me a sound mind. That there was nothing wrong with my mind. Even though I had all of the symptoms and I felt the depression and I had all of this emotional stuff going on, there was a revelation. It was like a light bulb came on as I began, as I said that scripture. And all of a sudden, who I was was not depressed. Who I was was of sound mind. And so now I began to be able to say that scripture and be like, depression, I'm speaking to you. So I didn't call it my depression. I, I stopped, I stopped owning this pressure that was external as though it was mine. And I began to speak the truth to that. I, and that was called resistance. And the Holy Spirit is the one who taught me how to fight the good fight of faith. Because pretty soon after that, I mean, I didn't really know the scriptures at this point. I was a baby believer, brand new believer. Had grown up in religion. I'd grown up, I didn't have, I didn't have good teaching. And I remember the Holy Spirit telling me in the morning, I want you to get up and I want you to dance. Now, let me say this. The last thing I felt like doing was getting up and dancing. You know, when you're depressed, you want to stay in bed. You don't want to get up. And you, there's a, a tiredness that comes with depression, if you've ever experienced it, that truly is not natural. <laughs> it is literally, it is a supernatural demonic tiredness. And to get up in that, you know, re, with under that resistance, I tell you what, it did take a spirit of might. It was supernatural for me to just be able to get my two feet on the floor and just begin to dance. You know, I didn't recognize that not only was the word of God a way to resist, I'm just being taught this by the Holy Spirit, but worship and dance and praise and thanksgiving were actual resistance. Actual resistance to this depression that, that had overtaken my life. And so I would get up in the morning and I would dance when the last thing that I felt like doing was dancing. Now I want to take you to a, a, another scripture here as I keep telling this testimony. Didn't plan really on sharing this tonight, but this is for somebody there's a scripture that talks about the weapons of our warfare and how the weapons of our warfare 
I'm going to go in. It's in 2 Corinthians 10.4. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And so these strongholds <laughs> are really anything, anything in our lives that are not heaven on earth. And the weapons that we're fighting this good fight of faith with and that we're waging a good warfare with, you know what, these weapons don't make sense in the natural. Like it doesn't make sense. Like if I went to my therapist and I said, no, I'm not going to take an antidepressant. Instead, I'm just going to use a scripture. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to speak the word of God, you know, that says I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. And I, so I'm not going to take that. I'm just going to speak the word. You know, my therapist would look at me like, like I was crazy. Well, I mean, I, you know, you are crazy if you need to take this medicine they're wanting to give you. But what's the point there? They're not carnal. They're not natural. The weapons of our, of our warfare don't, don't make natural sense. The weapons of our warfare are mighty. Say, say, say mighty. There's a spirit of might. On our weapons. Whew. This is a power, a power, what am I gonna say? Encounter. This is a power coming against the pressure that is greater than the pressure. This is the power of God. The power of God. I, I think sometimes we've, we, we don't recognize that, that we have access to the power of God. But you know why we don't recognize it, I think, is because a lot of times we don't even recognize that we're in a spiritual battle. It says here they're mighty through God for the, mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And here's what it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want you to say this with me, every thought. Wow. I don't think that we've ever really understood that before. How many thoughts? Every thought. Every thought. Most of us have thought, a thought life that's like the wild, wild west. Right? Just, just, just anything goes. Just out of control lawlessness going on in our heads. There's no sheriff in town. You know what I mean? Nobody uh, corralling those thoughts, right? Into the into the corral, just some wild Mustang thoughts, just going crazy, just a stampede going across the, you know, across the the, the plains of our mind. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a very powerful. And in very, it's a really, when you stop and think about it, this is kind of a crazy thing here. Taking every thought into the obedience of Christ. And so what does that mean? It means that every thought that we think 
if we are going to, to, to not conform to the image of something besides Jesus, every thought <laughs> is to be taken into the obedience of Christ. This means that, I said it earlier, this means that there is no you apart from Christ. So, if you're experiencing emotional disturbances, spiritual disturbances, any, any form of, of pressure, then it's time to take up your weapon. It's time to huh, take up that weight. And I'll say this, a lot of times, whenever, whenever you're under pressure, how many of you know the hardest time to hear God is when you're under pressure? As a matter of fact, if you can't hear God, that is one of the biggest indications that you're under pressure. Because you are in your normal state <laughs> as a believer when you are abiding in the vine. Your normal state of being is abiding in the vine, connected to God. And I mean, when I say connected, we're connected whether we can hear him or not. We're connected whether we are under pressure or not. But when I say connected in this mean, I mean connected experientially. So that you are experiencing the presence of God. You are experiencing the thoughts of God. You are experiencing revelation. It's, you know, it's, it's, you are in the, say, the fl- in the flow. How many of you know there's a place where you are in the flow? The flow of the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so when you step out of that place and you're having trouble hearing God, well, guess what? You're under pressure. And so that's, that's another indicator that, whoa, something is going on. And so I wonder how long we go in that state on a weekly basis never recognizing that something's off. Some of us have lived in a abnormal way of being, have lived disconnected for so long or up and down, up and down for so long that we actually think that's normal. You know, when I started, <laughs> I didn't hear God. I was under complete, you know, mental health challenges. And I tell you, I fought, I fought my way. I mean, I, by the power of God, I didn't do it on my own. By the grace of God, I fought myself, fought my way. I resisted, whew, into mental wholeness. And so sometimes it's just as simple as reminding yourself of the truth when you have a thought. Like, oh no, you know. And sometimes, sometimes some of us beat ourselves up for our, for, for bad thinking. So then we'll spend another whole day just beating ourselves up because we've been, ha- I, I, you know, hey, I felt jealous or I, I felt whatever, depressed or I felt angry. And so then we beat ourselves up for that rather than just recognizing, no, we need to get back on track. Yeah, not every thought you have is even your thought. Not every thought you have is even your thought. But the point is, I mean, I just heard it clear as, clear as, you know, clear as I could hear it tonight, that there, we, we have to resist. There are things that you even have accepted 
and going back to this idea that not every thought you have is your own thought, there are thoughts that you have been thinking for so long, you think they're you. And they were never you. But they sound like you. And the only way that you can judge, you don't need to judge, you don't even need to know, is it me, is it not me? At this point, because that's not the point. There's nothing in there that says, discern where it's from. It just says, if it exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring it captive. If there is a thought that you are entertaining that is contrary to the prophetic word that God has spoken over your life, to the destiny that he has spoken over your life, if there's a thought that you are entertaining other than that, that needs to be taken captive. If there is a thought that you are entertaining about your marriage, about your children, about your neighbor that is not in agreement with the word of God, that is not in agreement, we need to take that captive. How? Through the power of God. Through the power of God. And your feelings can be manipulated. Your feelings are not an indication of the truth. They are an indication of how you feel. I'm going to say that again. Your feelings are not an indication of the truth. Your indication, they're an indication of how you feel. Not that we, we don't ignore the way that we feel, but we are not led by the way that we feel. And let me say this about our feelings. Our feelings follow thoughts. Subconscious thoughts or conscious thoughts. And so this, this concept of resistance, this concept of waging a good warfare and fighting the good fight of faith, guys, we will be defeated. We will faint in our minds before we ever faint in our circumstances. Meaning, if the enemy is going to, to take you out, he's going to take you out in your mind way before he takes you out any other way. I mean, I always tell this to people. People don't die ultimately, from whatever sickness kills them. You know, if you're, if you're fighting, I mean, in, at the end of the day, we have faith in death more than we have faith in raising the dead <laughs> or more than we have faith in, in healing the sick or more than we have faith in the name of Jesus. So I want to talk about this particular this particular battle, because I feel like it's one that God's really been highlighting to me in my own life. And I believe it's one that most people, believers, unbelievers, everybody, just people struggle with. And it really has to do with our relationship with ourselves. And it really has to do about the way we think about ourselves and the thoughts that we allow ourselves to think about ourselves. And most people, not all people, but most people that I, I talk with, now this I will say probably with believers more than unbelievers because believers struggle with so much with, with a religious spirit, is that you know, a lot of, a lot of us struggle under guilt and under condemnation. 
and under self-accusation. Where we are not living up, obviously, to the standard in the Bible, where we read the Bible and we're just convicted by it because we're not, you know, we're not as loving as we know we should be, or we're not as kind as we should be. We, whatever, we've got issues, you know, say issues, right? If you don't have any issues, well, you know what? Come lay hands on me. But because we have issues, we end up beating ourselves up because we have issues. So now we don't even just have the issue, but we've got all of the, the self-condemnation and the, the self-accusation and the self-rejection that comes from that issue. And so what this does is this forms a type of war that goes on internally within ourselves. And so if we're fighting the good fight and we're waging a good warfare, I want to talk about this war for just a moment that's going on internally. Because here's what happens when we fight internally with ourselves. Well, first of all, we might as well, I mean, that is a form of mental illness. Think about, let me just say this, it's like a split personality. I'm not calling you schizophrenic, but I am telling you it's not healthy. It is not a good way to operate, to, 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 what am I trying to say? It's not a healthy way, it's not a healthy way to think. Right? Because it's you versus you. Because guess what? You're the one with issues, and you're the one that's mad at yourself for the issues. I'm going to say it a different way. You are the, you're the bad guy and you're the supposed good guy that's sitting in judgment over the bad guy. You are the accused and you're the accuser. You're the one that's messing up and you're the one pointing the finger at the one that's messing up. And it's a role that you are playing internally with yourself. Am I making sense? And let me say this. The reason, and I, I really do believe that, you know, it's worse in the church than, than outside the church, but I believe that, that all of human race deals with this because it's a product of the fall. It's a product of, of, of this self-awareness that came after the fall, after Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they knew they were naked. Right? And they, they began to be self-aware and then they hid themselves because they knew something was wrong. Right? And so there was this sense of wrongness and rightness that they began to operate in. And let me say this, a, a sense of self-judgment. I'm going to say it again, a sense of self-judgment. And this, this, this game we play internally with self-judgment, we do it externally too. We do it with, we do it with other judgment too. But this self-judgment game that we play internally is, is such a, a place of self-deception and a place where the enemy can create strongholds in our lives. Frankly, that is how depression got a hold of my life in the first place. 
You know, you, rejecting yourself, getting angry at yourself, living under all that guilt and condemnation and all that, that'll, that will make you mentally sick. You know, it will make you mentally sick. And I tell you, I, I, one of the, one of the wars that we need to battle against is this way of being with ourselves. Most of us have lived under this for so long, we don't even recognize we're doing it. We just let our thoughts go nuts inside. You know, some people talk about it being your inner critic, you know, or that self-dialogue. But are we taking those thoughts captive? Are we taking those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ? And if we're not, the enemy's having a heyday. And the way to do that, by the way, is to recognize that that one of you that has issues and the one of you that's pointing the finger at the one that has issues and all angry at the one that has issues. Do you know that both of you (laughs) were crucified with Christ? This whole game that you're playing internally with the bad you and the good you, that whole blame game, that whole game, that, that thing is, that thing was abolished in Christ. That is a man or a woman living under the law. And I will tell you, this is at a, this is someone at war within themselves. Well, it's a double mind. It's a split mind. It's a, it's a law that, it's a mind that is operating under the law. A double-minded man? Well, I think it's probably one form of double-minded man. I think another one is to, you know, doubt and believe, doubt and believe. I think that's another form of double-mindedness. But in this case, it's definitely double-minded because you're not convinced of the gospel. You're not, you, you, you have yet to, to agree with the gospel in the assess, in, in the way that you are being with yourself. Do you see the illusion of this? And the deception of this. And let me tell you, this will make you depressed. This will make you anxious. This is a terrible way to live. You know, it actually is a, if you read Romans 7, here's the problem, I think, with the way a lot of people read Romans or just the, gosh, the epistles in general. But I mean, I know for me, for years, people taught Romans 7 like this was the human condition. You know, and Romans 7 is when Paul's talking about how you know, I can't do what I want to do. I try to do what's right, but then I don't do what's right. There's something in me that keeps doing what is wrong. You know, and he's just this man that's just miserable because there's this war going on internally. And at the very end of Romans 7, he says, who will deliver me Deliver me from this body of death? He says, oh, thank God, Jesus Christ. And then it, then it goes into Romans 8. Therefore, After Romans 7, there is now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. But this this is a particular kind of war that we need to resist. We need to resist the idea that there is an us with issues and that there is is an, an us apart from Christ. And it's not saying that you don't have issues. It's not saying that, you know, it's 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 not the point is you don't, you're not in the self-judgment business. Your issues are God's business. Your mind renewal process is God's business. Our focus is on Jesus. <laughs> Our focus is on is on the Lord. Our focus is the good news of the gospel. 
Woohoo! Our focus is not on our on that. Amen. So there is a. I really believe that the reason we're we're talking about this tonight is there is a resistance that we need to wake up to. It may just be setting something down, like, okay, I'm going to set self-judgment down. I'm going to start to recognize, I'm just going to start to recognize that I'm in Christ. There is no me apart from me. It may be a spirit of depression. It may be a physical symptom. I'm not sure exactly what battle you find yourself in. But it is time to, to take up the weapons that are not carnal and to resist, amen, to resist the enemy, resist the lies, resist, resist what is not God, resist what is not in agreement with the truth. And I'll say this, if you are under it so much that you can't resist it, if you can just, re, if you can recognize that you're under it, well, you know what? Call someone for prayer. Reach out, email us, info at Reach out to someone for prayer and let someone resist for you. Put on, put on the worship music and, and, and just open up your mouth and praise God. But I, there is, there is, I just want to pray now. I'm going to pray, matter of fact, for people that are on, that are listening tonight, that have been under pressure. If that's been, if you know that's been you, just raise your hand if you're recognizing that you've been under pressure tonight. Yeah, I, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray here. Father, I thank you that this is your word tonight because first of all, I hear the Lord saying, He wants you to know there's nothing wrong with you. I'm going to say that again. He says, I see you perfect in Christ. He said, do you even think I, I don't, I'm not focused on your issues. I'm focused on your righteousness. I'm focused on your beauty. I'm not focused on what's wrong with you. I'm focused on what is right with you. I am focused on, on the good things that are in you, in Christ Jesus. I am focused on what I did in the, on, to you on the cross. I am focused on the new creation that I've created you to do. I'm focused on the Christ in you, the hope of glory. I am focused on the you that rules and reigns in Christ and is seated at the right hand, at my right hand right now. I do not see you through the lens of the fall. I see you through the lens of the resurrection. So I am not focused on a dead man. That's what the Father says. I am not focused on a dead man. I am focused on a live, on what, what I have brought back to life from the dead. And so right now, Father, I just release a vision adjustment. I right now, Father, just release a a, a vision correction that corrects the way that we see ourselves in Jesus' name. And I just release right now visions of redeemed Children of God, redeemed the bride, God. I just, I just release a vision of ourselves, God, that matches your vision of us, God. And every other vision, every other perception of ourselves, God. Who? 
that does not match who we are recreated in Christ to be, Father. Every distortion, Father, every focus that is off and every Every, every distraction that it is causing in our lives, God, I just, I just curse that stuff in the, at the root in Jesus' name. And I release, Father, I just release a move of your spirit. Jesus came to, to, to give sight to the blind. <laughs> and I just release, release a restoration of our, of our sight tonight. And I take authority over just demonic assignments that have attached themselves to these distortions. And have attached themselves to these lies and have, have taken advantage of our ignorance and of our wrong programming and of our, of our wrong focus, God. And I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I take authority over depression and I command it to bow to the name of Jesus. I take authority over anxiety and I command it to bow to the name of Jesus. I take authority over autoimmune disorders, God, in the name of Jesus that have caused our bodies to fight against ourselves, Father, out of some kind of retaliation and some kind of um, distortion, God, of who in our, in our self um, identity. And I, I rebuke those diseases tonight, God. I take authority over lupus right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that you are causing people, even that have suffered with lupus, even to begin, they, they, they were brought to this podcast somehow supernaturally. And I just rebuke lupus in the name of Jesus. I just reverse that right now. And Father, I release an acceptance and a love in every single person's DNA tonight. Father, I just release the love, perfect love right now, Father, into just at a DNA level tonight, Lord, at a cellular level, at a, at a, just a subatomic le- level, Father, at a, at a molecular level, Father. I just release a frequency right now, Father, of love and of, of acceptance, God, and of uh, the, just the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Father, I just release, just because I feel like I can in the name of Jesus, I just release a rewiring of neural pathways right now in Jesus' name for, for people, Father, that have suffered under mental illness and anxiety and even self-hatred, God, who in Jesus' name and, and self-rejection, God, and that have been at a war in themselves, Father, and it has become a habit. They have formed a habit in this, God. I just release a rewiring tonight, Father, of their, of their mental Mental faculties. I release a creative miracle in their brain tonight, Father, and I just declare that the gospel, they have firing neurons, Father, that are firing the truth. They are firing the gospel. They have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name, Father. They have the neural pathways of Jesus. I just declare right now, Father, that the brain of Jesus has become the brain of the body of Christ. I just declare right now that there is a, there's a healing right now, Father, of mental illness, of all forms of all kinds right now. I take authority over insanity spirits. I take authority over schizophrenia. I take authority over manic depression. I take authority, Father, over um, just bipolar disorder and just every other mental disorder, whether no matter if it is severe or if it is uh, intense, God, in Jesus' name, and I rebuke it. Who? And I just release right now, Father, an atmosphere of peace. I release at, at, at neural pathways of peace of peace, Father. I take authority over voices that have been speaking in people's minds, God, that is not their own voice. That has, I take authority over identities that have, uh, somehow there has been an identity assumption 
where there has been, um, so, there's a, there's just, it, the thoughts that are coming in their minds, God, that are not even them, but it has been disguising themselves as them. I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus and I command you to bow right now and you leave and you exit every single person that you have been afflicting. You are, that, that is not your body. That is not your mind and you will no longer afflict. You will no longer torment. You will no longer think. You will no longer disguise yourself as that person in Jesus name. I cast you out and I say from this day forward, you are silent. You will never bother them again in their body, in their mind, in their dreams, in their personhood, in any way, shape or form. I rebuke you and I rebuke you. I rebuke father, just the, the, the just the lineage of, of, of mental illness and people's bloodlines, father, that this, they have inherited this in their blood. I take authority over the spirit of suicide. I command that thing to get off and leave right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I say, you will never bother this person again. And yeah, in their mind, their will, their body. You shut your mouth. You will never speak. I bind you in Jesus' name. I release the joy of the Lord. I release the power of the Holy Spirit against these afflictions, against these, this, this pressure, God. Ooh, against this, uh, this, this, yeah, just, just all of that. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And I take authority, even over that voice right now that says it's not working for you. This isn't working for me. I tell that voice to shut up right now in Jesus' name. And I say right now, it works. <laughs> it's universal. <laughs> because the name of Jesus has defeated you. Jesus Christ has defeated you on the cross. And guess what? It was for every person. It was a universal universal salvation. He became the propitiation of the whole world's sin. He became the curse on the cross and he defeated you. He made an open display against you. And so, yeah, it is for every single person within the sound of my voice in case you were confused. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I just thank you that even tonight, uh, when, 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 uh, when people lay down to go to sleep, God, there is going to be a new level of peace. And that even tonight, Father, there, I just release the ministry of angels to, uh, uh, to people, Father, that have been struggling, that have been struggling under this pressure and under this, uh, this oppression or whatever, whatever the, the fight has been, Lord, I just release your presence. And the ministry of angels. And I, I, I the Lord, you're, I know that's of you because you, as soon as I started to say that, you reminded me of how when Jesus came out of that season where there was so much intense pressure, so much intense pressure, Father, to keep him from who he was called to be and, and, and t- testing to see if he knew who he was, just such intense pressure. It said the angels came and ministered to him. And that he came out of that, out of that pressure filled with the spirit. Whoo! So Lord, I just release an infilling God, a fresh infilling, just a, a, just a total infusion of your spirit and your, and your presence tonight, Lord, even in the, even in the bedrooms and in the beds, Father, while people are sleeping. I thank you for, uh, just revelation. Revelation, God, revelation. I just accurate, pinpointed revelation, Father, that sets us free. That sets us free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. We just sit in this for just a moment. I just, yeah, I just, Holy Spirit, I just say more of your anointing now. I just say, I just release more right here in this place, Lord. More of your anointing on every single listener, Lord, especially those that are this, this prayer is for right now. I just release more right now, Lord. I just release the power of God, the power of might. Woo! In Jesus' name, I just release more. More. We just destroy the yoke that you did not place on your body, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just see chains being broken. Guess what? Jesus is still setting the captives free. Jesus is still in the deliverance business. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I just want to encourage you. Whew, you have a, a savior that is a deliverer. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let me just give you praise for this. And I'm just going to say it one more time. There's nothing wrong with you. You may be under pressure. You may have been under pressure, but that doesn't define you. Amen? Now, I am going to tell you one other thing, (laughs) because the Holy Spirit's leading me to do this. You need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself for whatever issues you think you've got whatever you've been holding against yourself, whatever you are angry about yourself, the ways that you've disappointed yourself, however that may look in your life, you forgive yourself. And then the Lord is also telling me, you know what, you just, can you just accept yourself and love yourself? You know what, even though there is no you with issues in my sight, you know what, I came from the one of you that had issues. Jesus is like, I I was crucified for that one anyway, so I I loved that one too. So even if you did have issues, guess what? You're still loved. (laughs) You were loved at your worst. You were loved when you had the biggest issues. And I wasn't telling you to get rid of your issues so that I could love you. So you need to quit playing that game with yourself and quit trying to make your, let your, make, you have to be perfect to be loved. Hey, so you forgive yourself. And you love yourself. Don't don't reject what I have redeemed. Don't reject what I love. Well, you know, the question was, what if it's not yourself? What if it's other people? Well, you know... It's the same advice. Forgive them too, right? And love them too because guess what? Everybody, if you really want to be clear, and we're not all looking at each other in the eyes of Jesus, guess what? Everyone's in need of a Savior. 
I tell my kids the same thing. I tell myself the same thing too. But when I get into a place where I'm like that and I start to complain and I start to get really like that, I, I, like I say, you know what? You better name five things you're thankful for right now. And so I, I kind of get back into this place of gratitude. And cause you know, I'll say that what the Lord did to me, the worst of my manic depression, when I first came to the Lord, you know what he told me to do? He made me go to, he made me in the sense that he did make me because I'd never done this before. And he said, had me start going to a nursing home three days a week. And you know why he made me do that? Because he wanted me to see somebody that had some real problems, right? I'm just being honest. That's what the Lord told me to do. He's like, you know what, Shalise, as bad as you think your life is, you know what? You have kidneys. You don't have to go get hooked up like Dorothy does three days a week to dialysis. I'm just saying that's what he told me. He said, because part of my problem <clears throat> was not only the war going on inside of me, but part of my problem was, was that I wasn't grateful, is that I was so self-absorbed and so, um, I don't know, in my thought life, you just make everything in your life seem so horrible when, you know, we've got third world problems. I mean, first world problems. We don't have third world problems. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to worry about where our next meal's coming from. Or so. I mean, I, I hate to be that direct with you, but that's what I tell my kids. That's what you like. At the end of the day, our worst our worst day is probably a great day for a large percentage of people in the on the on the planet. And that's not to make us feel guilty. It's to give us a different perspective, because what makes half of what makes us miserable is the way we think about what's making us miserable. And the Lord's the one that taught me that. All right. Well, Father, I just thank you for this time tonight. And I I, I really do release us into a place of, of more self-awareness, God, of our thought life and just just a discernment, God, of that pressure that, 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 that we so that we would resist it. So that we wouldn't just sit under it, God, but that we would we would recognize it for what it is, and Father, that we would take up the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, and that we would, in fact, wage a good warfare, and uh, that we would fight the good fight of faith. And Lord, I thank you that this week we're going to have an opportunity even to pray for people that are under pressure. I think we'll be that that answer to prayer. We'll be someone that someone calls, and that we'll have a, a heads up on it, God, knowing that we can speak in the name of Jesus. And agree, Father, with the word and uh, see the deliverance of Jesus in the lives of someone else this week. All right. All right. Well, God bless you. I encourage you if this, if the podcast is blessing you, I, I do encourage you to support that and partner with us. Uh, you can always do do- a donation to Shalise Jimenez Ministries by going over to the website at shalise.com. And your donations help us continue uh, the broadcast every week and support the ministry in the, uh, all of the ways that we are getting this message of the finished work of the cross out to people across the globe. So awesome. You're blessed. Until next time.